From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, fungal keratitis in endothelial keratoplasty. Of the 99 donor cultures that were uh, obtained, seven of them came back positive for fungal growth. First this. If time and money were no object, you'd probably go to a lot of meetings. Not just ASCRS, but ESCRS, APACRS, AAO, Hawaiian Eye, and Winter Update, and you'd learn a ton. But money is an issue, and time an even bigger one. That's why I go to all of those meetings for you. Speak with the presenters you'd like best, and get them to distill their talks down to just a few minutes. You can see all of these interviews at no cost at the iWorld Replay website. Just go to ewreplay.org, E-W-R-E-P-L-A-Y.org, and enjoy. Fungal keratitis can be a devastating condition, difficult in both diagnosis and in treatment. These difficulties are multiplied when fungal keratitis occurs in the context of a corneal graft. Fungal keratitides are unusual in penetrating keratoplasty, but what about newer endothelial keratoplasty procedures? The trend is not a positive one, and any information of clinical value is extremely important. I'm delighted to welcome an expert in this field, Edmund Choi, who has made a study of fungal keratitis in the context of endothelial keratoplasty. We're going to be talking about fungal keratitis in the setting of endothelial keratoplasty. How common is fungal keratitis in endothelial keratoplasty and in full thickness penetrating keratoplasty? So fungal keratitis is a relatively rare event um, after both endothelial keratoplasty and penetrating keratoplasty, uh, but both can result in uh, complications that can be very devastating. Uh, in general, over the past six years, there was a report from the iBank Association of America um, that reported a potential increasing trend of fungal infections after corneal transplants. Specifically, they looked at the uh, from 2007 to 2010, um, the rate of fungal infections after endothelial keratoplasty was approximately 0.02% compared to a rate of 0.01% after PK, uh, although this is important to know that the difference was not statistically significant but an uh, increasing trend. Um, so this is raising concerns that there might be uh, differences in tissue preparation that could lead to this difference. How is donor tissue for endothelial keratoplasty prepared? Uh, the tissue is prepared at eye banks by skilled technicians, and they also pre-cut the tissue uh, before use in surgery. So generally, after harvesting, the tissue is placed in opt- optosol storage media and stored at 4 degrees Celsius. Uh, in preparation for the surgery, the tissue is then warmed and cut in a sterile tissue culture hood, um, and then it's assessed for quality and returned to storage back in the optosol storage medium until the day of surgery. Uh, and then on the day of surgery, the tissue is typically warmed to room temperature, um, usually less than two hours of time. Edmund, what did your study seek to investigate? So the aims of our study were twofold. Um, first, it was to report our experience with positive donor room cultures and infections after DSEC and the subsequent public health investigation that was carried out by the New Hampshire Division of Public Health Services. And second, it was to carry out an extensive literature review uh, to evaluate all reported co- uh, cases of fungal infections after DSEC. Can I get you to describe the design of your study? Our study was a retrospective uh, clinical chart review that evaluated all our corneal transplant procedures done in the surgical center uh, from 2012 to 2014. 
And as I mentioned before, we uh, carried out a literature review to review all documented and published uh, cases of uh, fungal infections after DSEC. And uh, this literature review really helped frame our experiences. What were your findings? What were your results? And and I know that you have a, you have a number of case studies. Maybe you want to discuss a couple of those too. Sure, that sounds good. Um, from 2012 to 2014, our surgeon performed 99 DSEC procedures. Um, you know, the surgeon routinely obtains uh, rim cultures on all her, her her donor tissues, and of the 99 uh, donor cultures that were uh, obtained, seven of them came back positive for fungal growth. Um, of these procedures, of the 99 procedures that were done, uh, there are two confirmed cases of fungal keratitis, uh, and you know because the positive rim cultures and the fungal infections were so uncharacteristic, our surgeon promptly contacted the New Hampshire Division of Public Health Services and they carried out an, an investigation, a very thorough investigation, and found out that it was not due to the surgeon, uh, surgical technique or the facility. And with regards to um, the two patients that developed uh, uh, fungal keratitis, uh, these patients, uh, just in, in brief, they underwent uh, DSEC for Fuchs corneal dystrophy. Both initially had an unremarkable post-operative course until about two weeks post-op where they uh, had noted uh, white infiltrates forming at the host donor interface. Um, both, both patients were treated with topical amphotericin B um, drops and uh, oral fluconazole, and they both also received injections of uh, amphotericin B into the anterior chamber. Um, they both eventually underwent penetrating keratoplasty, and they're both doing well um, with no current signs of uh, recurrent infection and, and follow-up. You performed an, an extensive literature review. What did you learn from that? So interestingly, in our literature review, we found that in donor rim cultures and clinical cultures, the majority were uh, positive for candidal species. You know, taken together with our experience, our clinical experience uh, in these cases and the literature, uh, it strongly suggests that candle species is the predominant uh, pathogen that leads to post-operative infection after DSEC, and that uh, positive donor rim cultures for fungal growth seem more predictive of developing a clinical infection um, than cultures for bacterial growth. In the context of, of your study and, and, of, and of your patients, what are the potential sources of fungal contamination? That's a really interesting question. Um, so there are several potential sources that were considered both by our team and by the uh, public health team. Uh, we can consider that there's an environmental or instrumental um, contamination, uh, transport media contamination as well, and uh, of course the donor cornea uh, contamination. However, uh, you know, I have to note again that the investigation by the Division of Public Health Services uh, evaluated each of these potential vectors, and their investigation did not reveal um, any specific infection prevention breaches. Um, they didn't uh, find any improper surgical technique or uh, mishandling of any transplant tissue that was likely to elevate uh, the risk of fungal infections. One of the things that that that, that you that you deal with in in this paper is is the correlation between positive uh, rim fungal cultures and their their ability to to predict subsequent fungal keratitis. Let let me ask you this on on a uh, just to provide some some context. How important are donor rim cultures in the prediction of subsequent bacterial keratitis? Yeah, so that's uh, really interesting to compare the uh, bacterial versus um, fungal uh, donor rim cultures. And historically, the literature has shown that positive bacterial cultures have demonstrated a poor predictive value and low sensitivity uh, between positive donor bacterial rim cultures and subsequent uh, bacterial infections. Uh, this was also seen in, in our series where uh, no cases of 
positive donor bacterial cultures developed any clinical bacterial infections. Is there any reason to believe that donor rim cultures are more important in the context of positive fungal growth? In the context of endothelial keratoplasty, given our experiences and the results of our literature review, it seems to appear that um, fungal rim cultures are more predictive of clinical infection uh, than uh, bacterial cultures. There isn't as much data uh, available for endothelial keratoplasty um, as compared to data for penetrating keratoplasty, but it seems especially true uh, that infection, um, there can be a serious infection when donor room cultures are positive for candle growth. Edmund, although your paper didn't directly examine this, I'm, I'm going to ask you to speculate anyway. What about endothelial keratoplasty tissue preparation uh, puts patients at higher risk for fungal keratitis than tissue prepared for penetrating keratoplasty? That's a really good question as well. There's a lot of insight into this. Um, uh, since the endothelial keratoplasty technique uh, requires extra steps in preparation, one may think that additional handling places uh, endothelial keratoplasty tissue at a higher risk for fungal contamination. However, actual studies uh, from iBanks demonstrated that there's no difference in infection rates between um, uh, preparation from a skilled technician versus a surgeon. However, we think that it's possible that the partial thickness nature of endothelial keratoplasty tissue places um, them at a higher risk for fungal infection because it creates a sequestered host donor interface. Um, firstly, this sequestered space prevents the full access um, by the immune system, the ocular surface. And secondly, it creates this pocket of, of relative hypoxia. And hypoxia has been demonstrated in other settings to promote fungal virulence as well as uh, blunted immune responses. So taking together um, you know, these factors all possibly set the stage for a fungal infection. One of the points that you make in your paper is, is that donor transport media in the U.S. generally don't contain antifungal agents, but that transport media in Europe commonly do. So is the incidence of fungal keratitis in Europe lower than it is in the U.S.? All right, so that's an interesting um, comparison as well, uh, since the United States uses a hypothermic uh, optosol storage media, which contains uh, gentamicin, streptomycin, but no antifungals. And the uh, European uh, transport medium, which is an organ culture medium uh, at physiological temperatures, contains streptomycin, penicillin, and also, in addition to that, an antifungal, amphotericin B. Uh, to my knowledge, there haven't been really comparative studies demonstrating uh, the rate of fungal keratitis after storage in either of these media, um, given that there's a relatively low occurrence of these infections. However, uh, there have been far fewer reports of fungal infections after in the literature after storage in, in organ culture uh, media compared to the hypothermic optosol medium. There have been recent studies that have looked into the addition of antifungals such as voriconazole and amphotericin B into uh, the optosol hypothermic storage medium, and this have uh, shown promising results demonstrating uh, inhibition of uh, fungal growth. Um, so that's something that uh, can be further investigated as well. Now, you've, you've dealt with this partly, uh, but I want to ask it anyway. Tissue destined for penetrating keratoplasty uh, are, are, are stored in the same sort of transport media as those destined for endothelial keratoplasty. Is there anything that's involved in the handling of these tissues that would put EK tissue at greater risk for fungal contamination than PK tissue? You know, I think it's uh, it's hard to comment on iBank practices, but uh, the additional handling required for pre-cut tissue um, may potentially place them at um, at a higher rate uh, of fungal contamination. But as I mentioned before, there have been studies demonstrating um, you know no significant rate of uh, increase in infection between surgeon cut and uh, pre-cut tissue at the eye banks. So that's something worth evaluating in future as well. So I'm 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 going to ground this in um, more kind of pra practical clinical terms. Um, 
which is this. In in the old days, before EK, when we were just doing penetrating keratoplasty, the idea of explanting a, 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 a graft really didn't make sense. Explantation in the context of EK is is something that's technically not as hard. You know, in, in the context of, of cultures too, I mean, this is not a priori knowledge when you go into, into surgery. You don't know uh, that the donor room is going to wind up being culture positive. So in practical terms, what does one do with the results of a positive fungal donor culture? Should the graft be explanted or, or should the post-operative medical regimen be different for these patients? Right. So this is the most important uh, part of the study, you know, clinical management, what should be done if we're faced with a positive uh, rim culture and what should we do if there's signs of clinical infection? So um, in our experience, and keeping in mind that our study wasn't a clinical trial, uh, we would recommend when faced with a positive fungal donor rim culture, we would recommend prompt initiation of a topical antifungal. Um, and then after the appropriate antifungal is initiated, um, then further consideration can be taken towards removal of the graft. Um, in the case of a positive fungal rim culture without signs of obvious clinical infection, it's reasonable to continue medical therapy along with close observation of the patient. If signs of clinical infection are present, removal of the DSEC graft should um, strongly be considered. You know, this is important for three reasons. Uh, the first one being removal of the graft allows for cultures with the host donor uh, interface to be obtained. And secondly, this may also um, improve treatment by eliminating any persistent fungi um, associated with the donor graft. And lastly, this may improve access of any antifungal uh, compounds to the, uh, to the host cornea. So obviously, more more prospective data um, is needed to determine the optical medical treatment, the optical surgical treatment, or if there's a combination of both uh, for the treatment of fungal infections after DSEC. I think the take-home message of our study is that um, endothelial, endothelial keratoplasty may be more vulnerable uh, than uh, penetrating keratoplasty to fungal infections, uh, especially candle infections. So th- th- this is great stuff. This is super practical. Edmund, I, 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 I wish you um, that uh, this is never practical in the context of your own practice, though. Uh, I, I want to thank you so much for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you, Josh. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to share some of our work, and uh, hopefully this will be beneficial uh, for your listeners as well. Edmund Choi comes to us from the Department of Ophthalmology at the New York University School of Medicine in New York, New York. His paper, Candida Interface Infections After Decimase Stripping Automated Endothelial Keratoplasty, an institutional study and review of the literature, is in press in the journal Cornea. Ask questions of Dr. Choi or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.